Okay, well, so with that, let us let us begin. So today's daf is daf nun, and we are picking up on Memtes Amad Bey's 49b. 49b, okay, it's been a while since I've worked this technology from my house, so hopefully again, everything is coming through as it should be. So we are picking up Emirat Hashem on Memtes Amad Bey's 49b, and we are picking up Emirat Hashem uh, about 12 lines up from the bottom, Amar so Amr of says, remember again, just if you orient ourselves a little bit, we've been focusing on the sugya. The Mishnah told us that Ksubas Isha is paid with Ziburis. Is that actually in the Mishnah? We had one opinion that said the Tanakhama said Ksubas Isha Ziburis, and Rabbi Meir said Af Ksubas Isha Bebenonis. It's also Bainonis. Okay, so we have two different opinions. So the Gemara now, in yesterday's daf, we had the statement of Marzutra. Marzutra said, when is it that the ksuba of a woman is payable through Ziburis? When is that true? That is only true when she is collecting from Yisomim. But if Halacha Lamaisa, she is collecting from the husband, then Halacha Lamaisa, the ksuba is actually payable through Bainonis through middle grade property. So that's the piece we're working through now. So the Gemara says as follows, Rabbi Meir says, the ksuba of a woman is payable through Bainanis. I ask the Gemara, Miman. So from who? From who? Who ultimately, again, when we, who is she collecting it from? Ilimami asked me, if ultimately, again, she collected from the Yisomim. So lastly, the Rabbi Meir, how this not in the front of me, so how could that be? Because we have a principle already, the concept that whenever you're collecting from Yisomim, ultimately, again, that is always going to be with Ziburis, always going to be with inferior grade property. Elalav mine. Rather, it must be from the husband. Must be from the husband. And you see from here again, that when collecting from the husband, she collects from Benonis. Only when collecting from Yisomim does she collect with Ziburis. To which the Gemara says, Sounds like according to the Rabbanon, she always collects with Ziburis, whether it's from the husband or from the Yisomim. To which the Gemara says, Lo, Leola miyasmi, in reality, ultimately, is talking about Yisomim. And ultimately, again, Ksubas Isha is different because of Chino, like we spoke about before. In order to go ahead, in order to go ahead, and Halach Lamais encouraged women to go ahead and marry. So Chazal wanted to make the Ksuba a bit more of an attractive proposition. Am Rabbi. So we'll say we're still not finished. Let's analyze this a bit more. So Tashma, Hanizokin Shamalahan Be'idis. So damages are paid through Idis. Ubalchov Be'benonis. Creditors pay through Be'benonis. Uksubas isha biziburis. Uksubas isha is paid with ziburis. Sumiman. When we say that the ksuba of woman is paid through ziburis, who, who is paying this ksuba? To which the Gemara says, Ilema miyasmi. If you say it's from the Yisomim, my iria ksubas isha, afilo kol haninami. Remember again, what's unique then about ksubas isha? In general, again, whenever you collect from Yisomim, we've already established, collection from Yisomim is always done, is always done. Through through Ziburis, to which the Gemara says, Alalav mine. Rather, it must be talking about through the husband. And you see from here that even through the husband, she only collects from Ziburis. What's the case? So, this is actually very interesting. Kigon, What's the case? The case is the case of a father who becomes an Arev. Now, what we're going to talk about Arev is a guarantor. So a father who becomes a guarantor for the damages of his son, for the debts of his son, or for, and for the ksuva of his daughter-in-law, for the ksuva that his son would owe to his wife. Each of these cases are treated in accordance with their own framework of halacha. 
How so? Nizakinu ba'achov demechayim gavu. So ultimately, damages and and a creditor and a debt which are collected during the lifetime of the damager or the credit or or the borrower. So the father takes essentially the place of his son. And just like, again, damages are paid from Idis, and Balchov is paid from Benonis, so too when the father guarantees his son's debts or damages, he pays in the same way. He pays in the same way. So the Gemara says, So it's actually very interesting. The Gemara takes the position that the most common situation of Ksuva payment is when the husband died. So since that's quote-unquote considered to be the normative case, and after the husband dies, who is she collecting from? She's collecting from the Yisomim. So to again, when she collects, she's going to collect from the guarantor in the same manner in which she would have normally collected after the death of her husband, which would have been from the Yisomim, which is Ziburis. Aye, but one second. We have a general principle that a guarantor for a ksuva is generally not obligated to make good on the ksuva. Now, we'll discuss why that is. So, we'll say, so in general, right, when you guarantee something, so you're on the hook for it in the event that the individual who you are guaranteeing for defaults. The exception to this rule, interestingly enough, is for ksuva. It's for ksuva. When it comes to ksuva, when it comes to ksuva, ultimately, again, even if someone commits themselves as a guarantor, they're still not on the hook. We'll see why that is. To which the Gemara says, B'Kablon. Oh, we're not talking about just a regular guarantor, it's about a Kablon. I both say, let's talk about it just a moment. Arif and Kablon both translate the same way as guarantor. But in fact, there are two different types of guarantors. An Arif is a guarantor, but in order to activate the Arif, you first have to go to the borrower. It's only if the borrower defaults, then you could go to the guarantor. A Kablon is a higher level guarantor. And with a Kablon, the creditor could actually bypass the borrower altogether and go directly to the kablon. Interesting. So So this makes sense, according to the opinion, it says that a kablon is willing to commit himself, right, willing to guarantee, even if the borrower doesn't have any assets. But according to the opinion, who says that a kablon only commits if the borrower has property, what is there to say? Maybe at one point in time the borrower had, but then the property was literally flooded, it was destroyed. Or the other possible say is that while that may be true, that at the end of the day, a guarantor only commits to guarantee if the borrower has property. That's with a regular case. But a father, a father is always willing to be mishabed himself, is always willing to commit himself for his son. It's such a, it's such a profound statement, right? Everyone knows that when it comes to a son, when it comes to a child, a father, a parent is always willing to go ahead and commit himself. And what a, what a, profound, what a profound statement in halacha, and what a profound statement in hashkafa. As parents, we know we would do anything and everything for our children. But the real message and real takeaway is, we know how much we would do for our children. Allah has come of a kama, how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us, his children. Kol legabe bre, when it comes to a son, shabude mishabed nafshe. Literally, I'll be mishabed myself. I'll give myself over. I'll do anything and everything I have to in order to allow my child to be successful. Incredible. Itmar. So I'll say, so again, so just to be clear, we still have not answered our primary question, which is, 
that when we speak about the collection of the Ksuvas, remember again, the Mishnah said that Ksuvas Isha, but the Tanakhama said that a Ksuvas collected from Ziburis. So we're trying to figure that out. Is that all the time? No matter who she's collecting from, whether it's from the husband or whether it's from the Yisomim, or maybe Ziburis is Dafka from the Yisomim. But when it comes that she collects from the husband, maybe that's Benonis. Maybe that's Benonis. Say Ithmar, Ariv Diksuva, when it comes to a guarantor for a Ksuva, Divrei Hakol Lo Everyone agrees that he's not, he's not Chayiv. This is incredible. In other words, that even though, so just, just so you can imagine this, so let's say Ruben marries Rachel, and Ruben wants Rachel to fill secure in the Ksuva. So what does Ruben do? He asks Shimon to guarantee the Ksuva. Even though Shimon, quote-unquote, committed to guaranteeing the Ksuva, ultimately, again, that guarantorship does, in other words, if Shimon doesn't want to honor it, he does not have to honor it. If you look at Rashi, Rashi, last Rashi in the Daf, See, we're going to see essentially the logic. Well, let's, let's see it inside. Tap of Nun, Tap of Nun. So the Gemara goes weiter. Kablon de Balchov. What about a Kablon of, of a creditor? So remember, again, we spoke of this before. A Kablon is a higher level guarantor. And that when it comes to a Kablon, the creditor could totally bypass the borrower and just go right to the creditor. So the Kablon, right? A person who is a, kab- a Kablon guarantor for a debtor. Divri hakol mishtabed. Everyone agrees that he is in fact on the hook. He is in fact on the hook for the whole amount. Arev de Balchov, the Kablon de Ksuva. What about the Arev of a Balchov? So a lower level guarantor for a, for a debtor or a Kablon, a higher level guarantor for a Ksuva. So please, that's a Machlokes. So one opinion says, even if the borrower doesn't have any property, this higher level guarantorship still works. Others say no. So one time the guarantor commits himself as if the borrower or if the debtor has property. And I will say, what is the halacha? In general, in general, again, I will say the halacha is that if a guarantor pledges a guarantorship, right? So a person guarantees a debt, guarantees a loan. So even if the borrower, the borrower does not have property, the guarantorship is, the guarantee is still binding. And the kablon or the arev will both be chayiv, with one exception. Bar, may arev diksuva, with the exception of an arev, which again is a lower level guarantor for aksuva. The afagav the isleil mishtabed. In that case, even if the husband ultimately does have property, the guarantor is not obligated. Why? So we'll say this is very interesting because we understand that when Shimon guaranteed the Ksuva, was he really guaranteeing the Ksuva? No. What was he trying to do? He was trying to facilitate marriage. He understood Rachel was nervous. He understood she needed guarantees. He was just trying to facilitate the mitzvah of marriage. And remember, again, she doesn't lose anything by him not guaranteeing the ksuva or not. So therefore, again, that's the one exception. So in general, when you guarantee something, either as a lower level guarantor like an arif or a higher level guarantor like a kablon, even if the borrower debtor doesn't have property, you are still on the hook with the exception of ksuva. Interesting halacha that if you guarantee a ksuva, Ultimately, again, that is not a binding guarantorship. I'm Ravina. So Ravina says as follows. So I'll say, so remember again, Ravina is going back on the going back on the opinion that we saw before, the position of Marzutra. Right? Marzutra said that Allah a woman collects, remember, we're going back, a woman collects 
from Benonis when she's collecting from her husband. Marzucho's opinion was she collects from, from Ziburis, lowest level property, when she's collecting from, from orphans, and middle grade property, Benonis, when it comes to the husband. So Amr Avino, Tashma, Meikara, Ditakantin, Yosem, Ditakantin, Yosem, says as follows. From the beginning of this enactment, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Meikar de Takanta, second line down from the top, Mishoresh Tama Takana Diktani Mipne Mak Suva Biziburis. So in general, let's take a step back. Why is it? So comes along Rabina and says, Why is it that Chazal instituted that a woman only collects her Ksuva from Ziburis? Why is that? So Mazutra explains very simply, Because more than a man wants to get married, a woman wants to get married. And wants to get married. So therefore, you don't have to incentivize marriage for a woman because Lamaisa, she wants to get married anyway. She wants to get married anyway. Therefore, again, all she needs is a ksuva, even though it's only guaranteed by Ziburis. If you think this is referring to collection from the Yisomim, right? Ultimately, again, obviously, anytime you collect from Yisomim, you're only going to get Ziburis. So it must be that when we say she collects from Ziburis, that's not only from Yisomim, but also from what? From the husband. To which the Gemara says, This indeed refutes the view of Marzutra, and Marzutra is refuted. So I will say, so this indeed is the halacha. This indeed is the halacha. The Shulchan Aruch Paskins. Um, oh, okay, sorry. So no, the, yeah, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Choshe Mishpat Simen Kofchas, that halacha lamaisa, a woman always collects her ksuva, ultimately again from Ziburis. And this is true whether she is collecting ultimately from the husband or whether she is collecting from the Yisomim, she always collects from Ziburis. Incredible. Armar Zotra, Bereid Rab Nachman, Mishmed Rab Nachman. Shtarchov Hayosi Ali Yisomim. So what's an interesting case? Let's say there is a Shtarchov. So in other words, just to illustrate this case, Yaakov, Yaakov lent money to someone. We'll just, we'll just call him, we'll just call him Lova. He lent money to our borrower. Yaakov dies. Yaakov dies. So now, ultimately, again, um, I'm sorry, actually, I take it back. J- just the opposite. Um, someone lent money to Yaakov. We'll call him Malva, right? Lender lent money to Yaakov. Yaakov died. Now, Yaakov's estate is inherited by his sons, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Malva, lender, now comes to collect the debt. Now, what's interesting over here is as follows. Now, let's say, let's say, in the document itself, Ruvain, right, I'm sorry, Yaakov, the father, and Malva, the lender, they agreed that Malva was going to collect from Idis. So it says it in the document. So now Malva is showing up ultimately to the Yisomim with a document that says, I get to collect Idis. So what's Dalacha? Eino gove elamin aziburis. Dalacha is, he only collects from Ziburis, right? In other words, this is true, even though you have a document that entitles the lender to collect from Idis, since Halachalamaisa, this is a collection from Yisomim, from orphans, therefore Halachalamaisa is only going to collect from Ziburis. Incredible. Amra Baye, Baye says, Teda, Tebalchov Dina Babaininus. And again, a simple idea. A general, a general creditor has the ability to collect from Babaininus. Umiyasmi Biziburis. And ultimately, again, from Yusomim, that same creditor could only collect Ziburis. So the point that Abai is trying to make is it's not such a novelty. Essentially, what Chazal legislated is no matter what the nature of your transaction, if you are collecting money 
If you are collecting money from Yisomim, you are going to collect from from Ziburis, and that is all. Only Rava, Hachi Hashda Balchov Dinim Midaraisa Be Ziburis Kidu Ula. So Rava says one second. In reality, Midaraisa a Balchov, a creditor, should only collect from Ziburis, right? In accordance with what Ula said, the Amr Ula. Devar Torah Bal Chov Beziburis. In reality, a Bal Chov, a creditor, shouldn't collect Beziburis. Why? What is the How do we know? The pasuk says Shneimar Bachutz Taamod Vaish. Shabbos so said this is, is actually talking about over here the taking of collateral. And the Torah says if you would lend someone money and you now want to take collateral, you could take collateral, but you have to wait outside the borrower's house and allow him to bring out to you the collateral. Don't go into his house to seize the collateral. So the Torah says Bachutz Taamod. Stand outside. So if you're waiting for the borrower to go ahead and bring out collateral, what kind of things does a person normally bring out? Ultimately, again, his, essentially, his ziburis. His ziburis, his lowest grade property. So what do you see from here? You see from here that mid on a biblical level, Balchov, a creditor, is only entitled to collect from ziburis. So if that's the case, then why did Chazal say that a Balchov, a creditor, gets collected from Benonis? We saw this already before. Because we'll say Chazal were concerned that if Allah say you lend someone money and the only thing you're entitled to collect from is, is uh, Ziburis, that people aren't going to want to lend money. So therefore, in order to encourage people to lend money, what did Chazal say? You could collect from Benonis. Okay, so this is actually very interesting about say. So according to Ula, the Da'oraisa by a creditor is that you collect from Ziburis. Midrabonon, we allow you to go ahead and collect from Benonis in order to encourage and facilitate the making of loans. The Gabiyasmi Akmurabanan Da'oraisa. So this is actually a very interesting perspective when it comes to you. So when it comes to orphans, Chazal just simply reinstituted the law in accordance with the Da'oraisa, with the biblical law, telling you that Allah you could only go ahead and collect from, you could only go ahead and collect from um, Ziburis. Ziburis, incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, Elohacha, uh, Kevan, so I'm sorry, Gabi asked me, Ukmira Barandaraisa. All right, sorry. Second over here. Okay, so therefore the Gemara says as follows Gabi asked me, Ukmira Barandaraisa. I, Elohacha, Kevan, the Dine Midaraisa Beidis, Afilumiyasmi Nami Beidis. But if that's the case over here, I will say, that remember, in this case, in this case, you have a shtar, right? At the end of the day, let's go back to our original case, right? Yaakov, the father, borrowed money from Malva. And they agreed between the two of them that Reuben, that, excuse me, that Yaakov was going to repay this with Idis. Now Yaakov dies. Malva comes with the shtar to the Yisomim, to the orphans. You have a document that says that Malva is entitled to Idis. So doesn't that create a biblical obligation for Idis? To which the Gemara says, nami Yet we saw that Rava said, right, and they quote Avram Choza, that whenever you collect money from the Yisomim, you're only going to collect Ziburis, even if it's a matter of damages. So the Gemara says, one second, but we just said before that damages collect, collect Idis Midaraisa. What's the case? Oh, like yesterday's Arab say. Now, what's the case? The case over here is where the idis of the nizak, right? The idis of the damaged party, ultimately, again, is like the ziburis of the mazik. 
and in accordance with Rabbi Yishmael. What did Rabbi Yishmael say? Rabbi Shmuel says that we go ahead and we assess damages in accordance with the idis of the nizak, of the damaged party. And ultimately, again, for the benefit of society, we flipped it in order to make people a bit more vigilant. And we said you pay with the idis of the mazik. When it comes to Yisomim, ultimately, again, I will say, we go ahead and we establish things with the Darais, and that's why, again, you'll collect from Ziburis. Okay? Ini, so the Gemara says, really, is this so? Is this so? That, so I'll say, so where the Gemara is holding right now is, it sounds like, it sounds like that if the father made a transaction, made a deal with the lender that allows the lender to collect idis, the lender will be able to do that even from the Yisomim. Is that true? Vatani Rabbi Elazar, Niyosa, Ein nifra'in min yisom ela min aziburis. Vafidu hein idis. You can only collect from the property of the Yisomim, from Ziburis, even if they're idis. Now what does that mean? Maya filu hein idis. Lav afagav dechsiv idis bishtara. Who doesn't not mean that even if there is a loan document against the estate, that entitles the lender to collect from Idis still. When it comes to the estate of the Yisomim, you can only collect from Ziburis and that's all. To which the Gemara says, Lo, my Idis, excuse me, what's Idis? Shafai Idis. So I'll say, what's Shafai Idis? If you look at Rashi, La'achar Hezek, so what Shafai? The Shafai this means a person had a field, a person had a field that was Idis. But now ultimately again that field becomes uncollectible, right? Becomes for whatever the reason, right? It was damaged, so therefore it's no longer it's no longer usable. But Lamai said now he's left with Benonis and Ziburis. Kidrava da Amarava, Hezek Ziburis, Gova Minaidis. Right? Ultimately, again, I will say, Salah even if a person went ahead and damaged Ziburis, ultimately, again, they have the ability to collect from Idis. Shafai Idis, what happens if the Idis is gone? Gova mina benonis. Ultimately, again, you can collect, then you collect from what you have, which is the benonis. The Gabi Yasmi, Ukmi Adoraisa. But ultimately, again, for Yusumim, they established it on the Daoraisa. Fine, so both say, so again, this piece is still, is still open ended. So I just, I just want to point out, I will say, so let me, let me kind of, the, the end of this discussion, um, yeah, okay, let me say, so the end of this discussion, the Shulchan Arach, same simon, in Choshen Mishpat Simen Kufchas, Halacha Yudchas, writes as follows. So this is very interesting. So the way we paskin is that whenever you are collecting from, whenever you are collecting from um, the Yisoman, from the estate, you're always going to collect from Zibur. So by the way, we've already established that this is true by Ksuba. Right, Ksuba, she's also always going to collect Ziburis from the husband or from, or from the Yisomim. But in general, whenever you're collecting from Yisomim, it's always going to be Ziburis. What about this case? What about the case where the father, Yaakov, borrowed money and agreed to repay the creditor with Idis? Now Yaakov dies, creditor shows up with the document that says, Yaakov owes me Idis. So what do you do with this? So the Shulchan Aruch makes a very interesting distinction. The Shulchan Aruch says, if the agreement to pay Idis was just that tonight was a verbal agreement, 
then ultimately it is unenforceable with the estate. Even if it's not contested, it's simply unenforceable, right? You cannot go ahead and collect anything more than Ziburis from Yisomim. The exception is if the creditor comes with a document, right? The Shulchan Aruch says, So I'll say, if the document explicitly says, I, Yaakov, am borrowing money from Malva, from lender, $10,000, and I agree to pay back from Idis, right? And ultimately, again, from myself or from my inheritors, and he writes that, myself or my inheritors, then that document will actually hold up in a court of law, and that'll be a case we'll be able even to collect either Benonis or Idis, whatever is written in the Shtar. So just an interesting case. So although the overarching principle and rule is that you can only collect from Ziburis, ultimately of Yisomim, but if the lender produces a document, and in the document, the borrower, who is the deceased father, promised to repay Idis from himself or from his inheritors, then in Achinami, the creditor could collect Idis even from the estate of the Yisomim. Very interesting. So again, the Mishnah said, whenever collecting from Yisomim, you only collect from Ziburis. So, Yisomim sha'amru kitanim o'afilu gidolim. So it's very interesting. When we have this takano, when we have this concept that you can only collect from Yisomim with, from, with Ziburis, so is this a din for children, like for Yisomim who are children, Kitanim, or even for Yisomim who are adults? So the Gemara says, Takanti Yasmi, Liktani So on one end we can say, listen, this is a form of protection, right? Children who are orphaned, again, need protection from the legal system. I mean, need to be protected by the legal system. So therefore, perhaps this is Dafka Takana for Yisomim who are minors, who are children, to protect them, but not necessarily for adults. On the other hand, to Odoma, Mishumdolo Masik Adaita de Milva de Miss Lova, Fenofal Nechasi Kamiasmi, Tahavlin Do Noel Deles Hilchach Afilu Gidol Nami. So, this is very interesting. Remember again, we said before, in reality, Midaraisa, a creditor should really collect from Ziburis. Chazal went ahead, Mipte Tikin Olam, and said, a creditor collects from Benonis. Why? In order not to close the door in front of lenders. In other words, if, if a lender knows he's only collecting from Ziburis, so ultimately, again, he's not going to want to lend money. So maybe that logic doesn't apply in a case where the borrower died, right? Because when, some, right, when, when, when I lend Ruvain money, I don't have in mind that Ruvain's going to die. So therefore, if Ruvain does die, let's say he does die, and now I'm only able to collect from the Ziburis of the Yisomim, that's not going to disincentivize me from lending money in the future because that's such a, such a far-off occurrence. If that's the case, then maybe the takana to only collect from Ziburis of Yisomim should apply to adult and children alike. Interesting. To which the Gemara says, Tashmas, let's analyze this. Right? When Abai said, the Yisomim that we're talking about is certainly talking about adults and all the more so children. I have a Dilma Hanimil in Yeshua. Maybe that's talking about a shvua, swearing. In other words, in general, it says another halacha, that if you want to collect from the estate of the Yisumim, you have to take an oath. You have to take an oath that you are actually owed money. To which the Gemara says, um, Why? Because Lamaisa, again, a child, right, even an adult heir, when it comes to the estate or the affairs of his father, he's like a child. Right? In other words, 
We'll say there's no reason to assume that an heir, even if he's a fully mature and capable adult, is aware of the estate or the affairs of the estate of his father. So therefore, again, maybe maybe when it comes to shvua, if you want to collect from the estate, then halacha lemaisi, you're gonna have to take a shvua for everyone, for everyone. ziburis lo. But maybe when it comes to collecting from ziburis, that was dafka halacha that was instituted. That was instituted for minor heirs, for children who are heirs, children are Yisomim, but not for adults. So I'll say, so again, just, just to reframe the question, here's what we know, right? Here's what we know. We know that there's a halacha. Whenever you're collecting from Yisomim, you are only going to collect from Ziburis. That's the way Chazal instituted it, right? So Machlog is Darai said, okay, that's, that's the halacha. You're only going to collect from Ziburis. Now the Shaila is, okay, we, now the Shaila is, was that Takana only enacted for Yisomim for orphans who are children? Or does it even apply to Yisomim ultimately again who are adults? That's the Shaila. That's the Shaila. Yisomim Sha'amru, the Yisomim, the orphans that we're talking about. Gedolim, Beinsarach, Lomar, Ketanim, Bein Lishvua, Bein Lizibur. So they will say, here is the Halacha, here is the Halacha. This Halacha, both, that you only, that you could only get paid from Ziburis of the estate. And that before getting any money from the estate of Yisomim, you have to take a show, you have to swear that you haven't been paid. That Allah applies no matter what the age of the inheritors. So whether the inheritors are adults, whether they're children, Allah Lamaisa, whenever you are collecting from the estate, it is only going to be Ziburis. And Allah Lamaisa, you can only collect with the Shavua. And I will say, there's a beauty in that, in that last phrase, in the second to last line in Amin Aleph. Where the Gemara says, Now, on a halachic level, what does that statement mean? That ultimately, again, even an adult child, an adult child, when it comes to the affairs, right? When it comes ultimately, again, to the transactions of his father, he doesn't necessarily know what's going on. It's even a, a real adult. When it comes to the when it comes to the affairs of his father, kikatan dami. So you could also understand that phrase so beautifully, Hashkafa. The Gadol, you know, a person could be, I could say, a person could look at themselves and they could say, oh, I'm accomplished, I've done so much, I've learned so much, I've accomplished so much, I've earned so much, I've done it, mitzvahs, Torah, gashmias, ruchnias. You know what I'm saying? You know what the incredible thing is? No matter how much of a gadol a person may be in the eyes of the world, b'mili de'avua, when it comes to the service of the ribono sha'ola, when it comes to matters of the father, kikatan dami. I'm still a child. And I will say it's one of the most overwhelming and sobering, sobering thoughts that no matter how much I've accomplished, right? You know, sometimes a person can be like in the eyes of the world, right? I have all of these accomplishments, right? All of these letters before my name, all of these letters after my name, all of these possessions, all of these accounts, all of these accolades, all of this prestige, right? So in the eyes of the world, I'm a godal. I'm a godal. Yet, when I'm, if I'm honest with myself, if I introspect, when it comes to my service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when it comes to who I am as a Jew and who I could really be, when it comes to matters of my father, matters of Ruchnius, matters of holiness, matters of Avodah Hashem, I'm only a child. I'm only a child. I have so much more work to do. I have so much more to accomplish. I have so much more to become. There's no time to lose. There's no time to lose, no matter how much we've accomplished. We should give ourselves a shkoyach for our accomplishment. Because again, maybe in our own right, we have become gidolim. Maybe I have become a gadol in certain ways. But no matter how much godless I've acquired or amassed for myself, 
When it comes to our relationship with Hashem, I'm just like a child getting started. So much to do, so much to accomplish. Halalai, we should be zochah, mir Hashem to get to work. So I'll say, let's go right there. Nun Amit Beis, 50B, second line down. Very interesting, which at least which at least will start today. So this is actually quite interesting. So there's a general concept of I'll say that remember, if the easiest way maybe to illustrate this is even in the case of a of a loan. Right? So if you could imagine Ruvain lends Shimon ten thousand dollars. What happens when Ruvain does that? Ruvain essentially has a lien against Shimon's property. Now what that means is when the loan comes due, if Shimon doesn't have cash to go ahead and pay back the debt, what could Ruvain do? Ruvain could go ahead and seize property to satisfy the debt. Now, what's even more incredible is if after the debt, Shimon went ahead and sold off property, and right, let's say now, right, so let's, let's say now, Ruben lent, Ruben, Ruben lent money to Shimon, right, on the, on the first of Tammuz, on the first of Tammuz, fine, $10,000. So now Shimon's property is encumbered. Shimon sells off all of his property. So now the loan comes due, you know, on the first of Av, Shimon doesn't have any money, doesn't have any property. So what's Talach, huh? Ruben could go and then seize property from people who Shimon sold to after the debt was made. Because essentially Shimon sold encumbered property and Ruben has the ability to seize that from the purchaser in satisfaction of his debt. In satisfaction of his debt. But, there's a but. What's the but? That when can you go ahead and seize sold property? That's what we call nechassim mishubadim. When can you seize that? When the borrower doesn't have any property that he owns. In other words, Jose, if you could imagine, if Ruben lends Shimon $10,000, right? The loan comes due on the first of Av. Shimon doesn't have any money. Shimon has a parcel of land. He has land, and it's enough land to satisfy debt. But Ruben says, no, I don't like that land. I like the other land that I had a lien on that you sold. So I'm going to go seize that land from the purchaser. And says, that you can't do. That you can't do. That's what it means. In Ephraim, in Nechassim, you cannot go ahead. You cannot go ahead and seize sold property, right? Sold property when there is unencumbered owned property. I should say, or where there's owned property. It's all encumbered where there's owned property. Okay. Listen to this. So we'll say, what about by matana? Now, what's the case here? Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi, I will say, is Rashi is second line down of matana heich. Listen to this. In Shibud Shamishubadim Halalu, Eneno Machmas Mecher, Ela Shinasnam Bematana La Acher Shalava Mize, Vishir Biziburis Lapanov, Hech Migmi Miziburis Benechor Omnis Bjad. So we'll say, watch this. It's actually a fascinating case. Same thing. Ruvain lends Shimon $10,000 on the first of Tamas. It's a one month loan. Okay, so now everything, of course, that Shimon owns is encumbered, right? The real property is encumbered to the debt. Watch this. Shimon has two fields. Shimon has two fields. A Benoni's field and a Zibur's field. Okay. So what happens? So what happens? Shimon gifts the Benoni's field. He gifts it away. So now when it comes time for the loan is due on the first of Av, so Ruven comes collect his debt. Shimon has a field. The Zibur's field is worth $10,000. But Ruven says, I don't want the Zibur's field. I want the Benonis field. Because remember again, Halach Lamaisa creditor is permitted to collect from Benonis. So I'd like the Benonis field. Now, I'll say one second, we just learned. You could only seize property to satisfy a debt when there is no property currently owned by the borrower. But this is a different case. 
in this case, Shimon didn't sell property, he gifted the property. So we'll see, here's the Shailah. Can Reuven claw back the gift, can Reuven claw back the gift in order to satisfy his debt with Benonis? Or is the gift essentially treated like a sale? And as long as Shimon has property to go ahead and satisfy the debt, even though the property in question is Ziburis, that's what Reuven is going to have to accept as payments for the debt. Such a great kasha. To which the Gemara says, On one hand, why did Chazal say that you can't claw back sold property because you're putting the purchasers at a disadvantage? But by a matana, the recipient of the gift didn't do anything, right? So so let let, let Reuven claw back the gift. In other words, you're not putting the gift recipient at a disadvantage. He got something for free. Oh, Dilma. Matana nami, this is incredible. Matana nami, ilav de isle hano amine, lo yavli matana. The boss say, you know the, how the way that gifts work? This is incredible. How do gifts work? Generally, you give a gift to someone because either you owe them something or because you want something from them. We'll say it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a very profound insight into gift giving. You know, that's why Chazal do tell us, sone matana siichia. You know, those who despise gifts will, will go ahead and live a long life. Because often, I'll say it's not all the time, there, there are, of course, altruistic gifts. And altruistic gifts are just simply an expression of love, right? Again, husband gives a wife a gift, a friend gives another friend a gift. Those could be pure altruistic expressions of love with no strings attached. No strings attached. But often, often, when a gift is given... It's given either in, in appreciation of something that has been done or potentially with an expectation of something which will be done. And therefore, clawing back a gift is not just simply clawing back something that who cares. There's, in other words, th- there's a transactional piece to that as well. And maybe again, clawing back a gift is no different than clawing back a purchase. So just like if you claw back the purchase, so ultimately again, the purchaser loses out. If you claw back a gift, not only does the recipient, but the giver potentially loses out as well. And therefore again, maybe Ruin should only be able to collect from the, from the, from the Ziburis that, that, that Shimon currently owns. So listen to this. Remember again, who's a shchimira? Guy in his deathbed. Guy in his deathbed says like this. Give 200 zuz to Ruvain, 300 zuz to Shimon, 400 zuz to Levi. This is very interesting. So now, how do we distribute this gift? We don't say, well, look, since he said Reuven first, Shimon second, and Levi third, that Reuven gets precedence, right? Reuven collects his, then whatever is left from Shimon, he gets, and then whatever is left, Levi gets. Rather, I will say, the way we view this, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, in Rashi says, Listen to this. This is incredible. So, watch this. Shchiv Mira is saying, give 200 Zuz to Ruvain, 300 Zuz to Shimon, and 400 Zuz to Levi. So, I will say, so again, you've got 500, right? 900 Zuz. 900 Zuz. Right? Ultimately, again, Right, yeah, nine nine hundred nine hundred zuz in this. We'll say 
So let's say for argument's sake, the estate only has, or, or Shrivera only has 700 Zos. So, well, you say, okay, no problem. Give Ruven his 200, give Shimon his 300, and I guess Levi will only get 200 instead of 400. Gemara says, that's not the way it works. What Shechimira actually means to say is, I want to give all of these guys and I want them to share equally. And if for argument's sake, there's not enough money in the estate, then let them split up what there is proportionally according to the amounts I gave them. In other words, if you're asking, what does Shechimira want to do? Shechimira wants to simultaneously say, Ruvain 200, Shimon 300, and Levi 400. But you can't say three things at once, so therefore he has to say it consecutively. But he doesn't mean for any one of them to have higher standing than the other. As a result of this, if after distributing the money, and then it turns out, let's say Shechimira dies, and let's say, again, there's a creditor who comes, so all three share proportionally in going ahead and satisfying the debt. However, the Acher of Laploni, the Acher of Laploni, but listen to this. In this case, Shechemira says, give 200 to Ruvain, and afterwards give 300 to Shimon, and afterwards give 300 to Ruvain. So I will say, what's different in this case? Acharov. Acharov. In that case, what he's doing over here, I will say, is he's showing that really, that really, the goal over here is first pay off Ruvain, then go ahead and pay off Shimon, and then pay off Levi. Lefichach. The Gemara says, uh, So we'll say in that case, if there's not enough money in the estate to satisfy all of them, we pay them off in sequential order. So first he makes sure that Ruben gets his 200, Shimon's going to get his 300, and whatever is left over will go to Shimon as a result. If after Shechid dies and the money has been dispersed, listen to this. If Shechid dies, and now let's say again, someone comes to collect money from the estate, so what's the halacha? Who do they collect from? They collect from Levi first. Why? Because Levi was the last one to get property from the estate. So in other words, when Reuben got his, there was unencumbered property. When Shimon got his, there was unencumbered property. Levi was the last one to get his, and when he got his, there was no more unencumbered So therefore, if again, if a creditor comes, he first goes to Levi. If Levi doesn't have, ain't low, cover Michelle the phone up, then I'll go to Shimon. Ain't love, Shimon doesn't have, go Then ultimately, again, I'll go to Ruvain. The Afagav, now what's the Chiddush over here? What's the Chiddush? The Afagav, the Kama Benonis, Ubasra Ziburis, Ziburis Kabi, Mi Benonis Logavi. Now, I will say, and here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Lamaisa, this might be true even if one of them has Benonis, one of them has Ziburis, and one of them, right? Again, we, that doesn't make any difference. You see from here that Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, what we say is like this, the only time you are permitted to go ahead and claw back property is when there is nothing left either with the debtor or with the estate, irrespective of the quality of that which is left over with the debtor, with the estate. That's what you take from this free property. That's what you collect from. Only if there is no free property, ultimately, again, can you go ahead and claw back. Now, now what do you see from here? What do you see from here? This is a case of matana. This is a case of gift. Right, the Shechimera is gifting property. And yet, despite that, what do you see? That we look at a gift like a sale. And therefore, even if, so I'll say, going back to our original case, remember again, our original case, where Halach Lamais again, right, Ruvain lent Shimon $10,000, Shimon has all of his property, or let's say two parcels of property. One is Benonis and one is Ziburis. 
Shimon gifted the Bain on his property. Now he's left with Zibur's property. The Zibur's property happens to be worth $10,000. Ruvain says, I don't want that. I want the, I'm going to claw back the gift. You see from here that you can't claw back a gift, that a gift is treated like a purchase. And therefore, again, if there is unencumbered property, that's what you have to collect from, even if it's from Zibur. What do you see from here? That even in the case of a gift, so even if the borrower, even if the debtor gifted property, still even with all of that, the, the creditor would not be permitted to claw back a gift when there is unencumbered property, in the same way that he can't claw back a sale when there's unencumbered property. How come I ask, you know, says, one second, one second. The case of Shechemira is different. One's the case of Shechemira, the Balchov. Both said the case, actually, when he's giving money to Ruben Shimon Levi, the Shechemira, those are actually his creditors. Remember, I said, really? But Tenu Ka'amar. It says, Tenu, give them. Tenu is like a lotion of a gift. Tenu Bechovi. He meant, give them in satisfaction of my debt towards them. Wow. So let's just see, I will say, let's see who has the earlier note. In other words, if Ruven Shimon Levi, who has the earliest debt? Ultimately, again, there's no star. It said, whoever, whoever, whoever has the first star. We're talking about, say, over here, what meant, this was the star in which the Shchiv Meira said, go ahead and pay these individuals. The other possibility is, Afilu Nami. Even by a matana, it could be true as well. Below kasha, my government achron. What does it mean that you collect from the last one? A nifsad ella achron. Ultimately, again, the only one who loses out halacha is the achron. The baisema. The other possibility is the shavu kulo, the shavu kul hula adadi. That all of them are treated equally. So we'll say. So bottom line, bottom line, halacha lemaisa. How do we pass it? So we'll say. So first of all. First of all, here, the Rambam in Hilchos Malva and Lova, Perek Yutes, Halacha Beis, says as well. So we'll say, this is the Halacha Lamaisa. Ein nifro'im minichasim mishubadim, b'makum shiyesh nechasim b'nechorin. So we'll say, this is an incredibly important Halacha. In general, we only allow it to cut. So remember again, what's nechasim mishubadim? Nechasim mishubadim is property that is encumbered but has been sold. So once more, let's just illustrate the case. Ruvain lent Shimon $10,000, okay? At the time of the loan, Ruvain owned, sorry, Shimon owned property, right? The borrower, debtor owned property. As a result, all of Shimon's property is encumbered to the debt. Now, I will say, you could sell encumbered property. That's not a problem. The buyer obviously should be aware of that, but you can sell encumbered. So what happens? So what happens now? Shimon sells property. Loan is due. Ruvain comes to collect. Shimon has no money. So Shimon is going to pay in property. Going to pay in property. So we'll say, so what is the halacha? If Shimon has property that is still in his possession, that's what Ruvain has to take payment from. Right? Now what's the chiddush in that? Remember again, what type of property could a creditor collect from? A creditor could collect from Benonis. Let's say for argument's sake, the only type of property that Shimon has is Ziburis. Nevertheless, that, if that's what Shimon has, then that's what Ruvain gets. As long as there's enough of it to satisfy the debt, Ruvain cannot claw back any sold property if Shimon has property in his possession, even if it's Ziburis, as long as it is enough ultimately to go out and satisfy the debt. If, however, Shimon sold off all of his property, so now when Ruvain comes to the debt, Shimon has nothing, then I will say, then, then Ruvain is allowed to claw back any property that was sold after the date of the transaction. In other words, any property owned by Shimon 
at the time of the transaction is encumbered, and if it was subsequently sold and Shimon has no additional property, Ruvain could claw that back to go ahead and satisfy the debt. So that's how the Rambam writes, You can't claw back sold property in a place where the, where the borrower, the debtor, still has property in his possession. So also here it is. And Allah says it makes no difference whether, whether Shimon went ahead and sold it or gifted it. A gift is looked at as a sale, as a sale, and therefore halacha lemaisa, even if Shimon gifted away the property. So again, let's analyze. So again, if Shimon gifted away some of the property, but is still left, still possesses some property, even though the property he's left with is is ziburis, is inferior. If there's enough of it to satisfy the debt, that's what Ruvain takes. If, however, again, Shimon went ahead and either gifted or sold all of his property, then in that case, halacha lemaisa, Ruvain will have the ability to reclaim that property ultimately in satisfaction of the debt. All right, I will say, shkoyach. What an incredible and overwhelming and beautifully magnificent daf. We will stop over here for today. Merit Hashem will pick, will pick up with the new sugi tomorrow. Um, yeah, should we start? Yeah, let's, we'll stop over here at the two dots. Both say shkayach. Incredible. See everyone tomorrow.